podcast. We are once again live. This time we are finishing up my uh, overview of Overwatch lore with my dad. Yes. Now, are we? Are you going to play the intro? Yes, I am. Uh, okay. All right. So I'm I'm ready to learn more about Overwatch. Listen to the yeah. first one if you haven't listened to this one. Yes, we're gonna, the first one is goes over a lot. We're just mostly just kind of finishing up. So we'll play the intro and then do a quick recap. And then we'll get into what we didn't get to cover last time. Sounds good to me. Star Wars Geek Girls. They're geek girls that like Star Wars. And sometimes cry. I can't wait till you and Lizzie get to try that. When Lizzie's I know. not as busy. I know, I'm excited. Hopefully when the Bad Batch comes out, we'll get to make some time. Yes. Now, before you recap, I did listen to you, your thing, when you co-hosted with Mike Pilot and <laughs> and um, Brian Young on Full of Sith back in 2016. Yeah. May. The first May episode. So I recommend anyone watching this or listening should go... Listen to that one from Full of Sith. And then also listen to the Anakin and Mike interviews, which I'll put those up on the feed again. But Yes. All right, now shut up about, about that stuff. But <laughs> Tell us where um, we're at. Yes, so last time we went over, um, and you can let me know if you want me to go more or less in detail, but we went over the basic timeline of Overwatch. So I went into a lot, a lot more detail last time, but the main bullet points we want to hit is that Basically, a they um, developed intelligent robots, um, but then the factories were shut down. But then a little while later, the factories opened themselves up, starting over robots, and robots started to take over the world. There was a task force called Overwatch that was assembled um, to shut down the the robot takeover, and they did. But at the end of the takeover, um, they found that a lot of the ro robots who um, existed previously actually were sentient. So then we have some human omnic tension with some people wanting to get uh, omnics basically be treated as humans, other people not being as thrilled about that. Um, and so we get to the point where years later, um, Overwatch actually gets disbanded after some shady business that they were kind of doing on the side. Um, it was one specific group of people were doing shady business, I should say. Most of Overwatch was still doing good. Um, but Overwatch gets shut down, but then um, the Null Sector and Omnic terrorist group starts to really cause some mayhem. And then we have Talon, this other terrorist group, who we're going to start getting into in detail today. Started getting into some mayhem too. Um, and they're kind of working together a little bit. Uh, so, Winston, the gorilla from the moon, who was a former member of Overwatch, decided to initiate an Overwatch recall and call as many heroes back as he can and also recruit some. I mean, your audio cut out. Oh no! Okay. What did you hear? No, it's good. It's good. Okay, so now, so just the, all of that, two things, for people listening or wanting to start playing Overwatch. The nice thing about all of that, you don't need to know any of that to play. No, the it game just makes as you play. Yeah. So the game is a is a PvP hero shooter. 
Um, so just to play the game, there are a lot of people who play the game and get really into it, like, mechanically and learning about the different heroes and how to play them and all their abilities, and know next to nothing about all the lore, and that's just how some people like to play. Um, me personally, I do like to play a lot, and I play it probably too much, um, but there, I get really into the lore, and if you're interested, there's always comics, there's short stories, there's a couple novels, um, there's a ton of animated short but even if you're not really into it, there's a few I would say you can just watch and just appreciate them as their own little story. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff out there if you're interested in the lore of Overwatch. And, you know, and because very little lore is revealed through gameplay, there are some story missions. But you can get into the Overwatch lore and these characters without ever having to even play the game if you're not like a video game or a shooter person. Well, so. and I, what's nice about the lore is you can kind of enjoy parts of the game when you can't actually play yeah like you can read a comic book or okay all right so you got us all caught up what's what are we talking about today so um last time sorry i just feel like my laptop wasn't plugged in so i'm gonna do that to make sure oh uh, maybe that's why you're cutting you could be that could be your i'm plugged your in audio. now <laughs> so last time we went over pretty much all of the members of overwatch new and old we still have a few to cover that we'll get to here um, we went over a lot of members of Blackwatch, was, which was a shady little side group that Overwatch, subgroup of Overwatch that created, and a lot of other people. Um, and I kept bringing up, talking about Null Sector and their leader, Ramatra, the Omnic terrorist group. Omnic, what they call robots. I don't know if I mentioned that. Omnics are robots. The Omnic terrorist group, Null Sector. Um, but I kept bringing up Talon, this other terrorist group. But we didn't really actually get time or have time to get into them. So, this is that. I wonder if I can. Here, I can turn oh, the. No. I can turn the chat overlay off. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And then it, we that. won't have. We the... made us very small. <laughs> okay. So, this is Talon. A few members of Talon. So, Talon was formed after the first Omnic Crisis. The core belief of Talon is that humanity is strengthened through conflict. So they try to create more conflict to strengthen and evolve humanity. Um, and, you know, they're terrorist groups, so conflict usually includes assassinating, blowing things up. Not very nice stuff. Um, many of their members actually have their own agendas, and they're mostly just serving their agendas while working with Talon for the mutual benefit. Um, so like, there are people in Talon who are very you know invested in this idea of humanity being strengthened through conflict but there are others that are just kind of using the connections that talent and resource that talent gives them for their own purposes um last week we talked about moira she was an evil she's an evil geneticist um voiced by mon mothma in um who was in Blackwatch, and she's now in talon she is not she's sort of on board with the humanity being strengthened through conflict but her main goal is studying evolution and creating perfect humans. Um, All right. So she works Kevin with Blackwatch because they give her resources. To uh... does Blackwatch do you ever anything good? Is it pretty much always shady? So Blackwatch is really interesting. So I don't know if you watched the last one, Kevin. So Overwatch was this group of heroes. They're mostly fighting against you know protecting people or fighting to protect people, I should say. Um, you know, studying like science, climate, medical, stuff like that. Blackwatch became the secret organization within Overwatch um, that 
would pursue a lot of the same goals. They're still looking to protect the masses um, and stuff like that. Just not doing quite as ethically. Like, where the Overwatch method to a conflict might be to go in and, you know, provide welfare. The Blackwatch tactic would have been more of a go in and, like, assassinate the bad guy in charge. So, I wouldn't call Blackwatch generally evil. Some of their members went on to become more evil. Um, but Blackwatch was... Blackwatch was a bit more, like, if you think of the Rebel Alliance and then Saul Guerrero's partisans... Oh, good. Black, Bring it to Star Wars. That's yeah, what I like to hear. Blackwatch is, would be more of, like, Saul Guerrero. Like, still, like, a, a noble goal, just a not always nice way of going about it. Okay. Yeah, that, now see, if you put it in Star Wars terms, I can remember it. Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, this is Talon. Um, Reaper and Moira were in Blackwatch, and they went on to join Talon. Um, but Cassidy and Genji were in Blackwatch, and they went on to join the new Overwatch. So they're kind of 50-50 right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, many of the um, people in Talon kind of have their own agendas and are using the resources that Talon gives them for their own benefit. Like I said, Moira uses Talon resources to kind of do her own research and then benefits, you know, Blackwatch when called or Talon when called upon. Um, so at first Talon was mostly just kind of causing chaos in the shadows of society, but they publicly um, kind of fronted as a mercenary group that could be hired to rescue people. Um, so they, a lot of times they would cause, what they would do is they would cause a disaster, um, you know, in some form. And so they cause, like, a disaster, and then, like, in the secret, and then in public, they'd be like, oh, we're a mercenary group, you can hire us to go help people. So they cause a disaster and then profit from it, also. Uh, so, very shady. Um, Talon actually moved later on to just, um, full-on attacking Overwatch facilities and assassinating certain members of Overwatch, who we'll get into in a bit. Um, after the fall of Overwatch, Talon's strength really increased because they, um... Overwatch was the biggest force kind of bumping up against them uh, when Overwatch was around. So when Overwatch was disbanded, Talon was able to grow a lot more powerful. Um, and so they've um, since uh, that, Talon's taken a real interest in trying to sabotage human omnic relations. So, like I said earlier, it's a very fragile kind of piece between a lot of human, humans and omnics. There are some places where Omnics are treated very poorly, um, you know, beaten and scrapped in the streets, where then you have other places where human-optic relations are very good. And um, Talon is trying to, to disrupt that as much as they can, again, to create conflict to try and strengthen humanity. So they're kind of working with Null Sector, because while Null Sector's goal is Omnic liberation, um, they're a terrorist group, so they don't create a lot of goodwill. So Talon is help is kind of working with Null Sector to kind of deepen that divide between humans and Omnics. Um, we also I mentioned earlier a um, prominent uh, Omnic rights activist and uh, Omnic religious leader, Takartha Mandata, was assassinated by Talon. So that's their main goal right now is trying to create a further divide between humans and Omnics. Yeah. So to bring it back to Star Wars, it reminds me of the bar in Tatooine. When the droid detector, yeah, and the droid droids couldn't come in, so yeah, because I so, would see, I would see how that would be, it would be hard to, like, befriend droids after going through the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's the main thing is um, we see like a lot of even the good guys that like we talked about Torbjorn a lot last time. He was an Overwatch engineer. He's actually the inventor of a lot of the Omnics that became the most deadly um, in the Omnic Crisis. Um, so he, you know, until he meets an Omnic and befriends him, he is very, you know, stubborn. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, even characters that are good guys who really struggle with befriending Omnics because of, you know, the Omnics took over, tried to take over the world and killed a lot of people. Um, so, there's a lot going on there. Alright, you ready to get into the, the members of Talon and their specific stories? Yes, and a reminder to anyone listening to this audio, you can jump over to YouTube when, once we put this up. There's Zoe has beautiful pictures to help people visualize <laughs> until she makes her big map with yellow, red strings. So yeah. if you're listening to the audio, you can jump over to YouTube if, that, if you're more of a visual person. Yes. All right, I'm sorry. I have go a ahead. slideshow. No, go ahead. Um, so we're going to start with Doomfist. He is actually the leader of Talon currently. His name is Akande Ogundimu. I think I said that right. He's from uh, Oyo, Nigeria. He's about 45 years old at the time of the Overwatch recall where Overwatch story missions kind of start. Um, he was born to actually a very wealthy family that had actually made its fortune in prosthetics. Um, Akande trained in martial arts, but he lost his arm during the Omni Crisis, which ended his competitive career within martial arts. His family's prosthetic, though, made him a new arm that was very, very strong, so it made him a, you know, a stronger and actually better warrior, but... You can't really bring that into a martial arts competition with a bunch of people without robot arms. So he was ineligible right. for comp competing after that. He actually tried to become a businessman, but instead was offered an opportunity to become a mercenary in Talon um, by the first Doomfist. So Doomfist is a title that gets passed down. Um, by the first Doomfist, who was wielding the powerful Doomfist gauntlet. Um, so, while they were working, Akande actually killed the first Doomfist and took the gauntlet and became Doomfist himself. Um, so, Talon found... Sorry. No, no, I'm just I'm just saying they, they, his parents probably should have made that arm a little smaller. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> he might have had more luck as a businessman. They just give it a really good handshake and arm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so he killed the first Doomfist, took the gauntlet and the title, and then Talon actually found Akande to be more useful than the previous Doomfist, and they kind of primed him up to lead. After the um, Venice incident, which we talked about last time, was the incident that caused Blackwatch to go public, which is when they assassinated um, in kind of broad daylight. Uh, I mean, it was at night, but it was very publicly assassinated. A um, Italian terrorist businessman. Uh, he wasn't a good guy, but you know, you shoot anyone in broad daylight, people are going to find out about your secret organization. Um, so. Um, Akande, uh, rose up through the ranks of Talon, uh, after killing the old Doomfist. Um, there was actually a Talon accountant who was an, uh, Omnic named Maximilian. Um, and so years later, he was cornered by, uh, some members of Overwatch, and he gave up Doomfist's location. This is while Overwatch was still active. He gave up Doomfist's location in exchange for his own freedom. So, Winston, the gorilla, Tracer... The girl that I like with the orange leggings and Genji, the cyborg ninja, uh, confronted Doomfist in Singapore. At first, Doomfist managed to inca incapacitate both Tracer and Genji, and there's a really cool animated short uh, about their attempts to arrest Doomfist. Um, but he had 
incapacitated both of them pretty easily, but he lost to Winston. Um, his super smart gorilla from the moon is going to be a hard fight for anybody. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, Doomfist was captured and his gauntlet was taken and actually displayed in a museum in Numbani, which is a city in South Africa, which is known for having the best human-omnic relations. Humans and omnics live pretty much in perfect peace over in uh, Numbani. While being imprisoned by Overwatch, Doomfist was visited by Gabriel Reyes, who we know was the former leader of Blackwatch, who would go on to become the Reaper agent of Talon. Um, and Doomfist was kind of able to plant seeds of doubt in Reyes' head about Overwatch. After the fall of Overwatch, Doomfist was transferred to a prison maintained by Helix Security, which is the same security for- firm that Farah, the girl with the jetpack, works at, uh, that guards the Anubis AI that caused the Omnicrisis. Um, he was there. Um, but while in prison, he was still able to contact contact people and ma- maintain his influence over talent, ordering missions, and managing the organization from his prison cell. That doesn't sound like a good prison. No, it, it really wasn't. <laughs> now, I have a question on, on all this. Is Overwatch, was it written by a team of people? Or like was it like started by one person and it just expanded? Or is it different writers? Um, it's a team of people, and over the years, the team has kind of gotten new members. Um, the, one of the first members of the team who was prominent and wrote a lot of it was Jeff Kaplan. He left the company a little while back. Um, so it's a, it's a team. And I think what's really, what I always find really interesting about when they write Overwatch, too, is that they're, you know, Overwatch, the main, you know, the main source of money and the primary form is a hero shooter video game. So their main priority has to be game mechanics and stuff like that. Overwatch is one of the biggest esports games, so they're like managing that too. You know, so like in a way the lore is secondary to that. So they kind of have to work together with the game development team with what abilities and stuff they're doing, what they're working on, and kind of connecting that with the lore. Um and sometimes it goes, you know, they use lore to make those decisions, and sometimes they use the game development decisions to make the lore decisions. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it's a team. Um, yeah, so, while Doomfist was in prison, Reaper and Widowmaker, who we'll talk about shortly, were sent to retrieve the Doomfist gauntlet from the Numbani Museum, but they were foiled by Tracer and Winston after the Overwatch recall. Later, a talent extraction was sent to rescue Doomfist, and he actually punched his way out of his own cell during the extraction without the gauntlet, which is kind of scary, and was able to escape and officially rejoin Talon. Following his escape, Doomfist took to reorganizing Talon and making sure he was surrounded by people that he trusts uh, because he was betrayed by Maximilian giving up his location in exchange for freedom. Uh, Doomfist then returned to Numbani and stole back the gauntlet himself, defeating the new OR-15 defense robots that Numbani had built. Doomfist returned to Numbani to cause further destruction, but he was foiled by Orisa and her creator Ify, who we'll talk about in a minute here. If you want to watch Doomfist, who is the Doomfist origin story, um, and then he briefly appears in the Retribution story mode cutscenes. And if you want to read about Doomfist, there's a Code of Violence short story, the Doomfist Masquerade comic, and the Hero of Numbani novel. That's Doomfist. He's the current leader of Talon. Okay. So, pretty interesting guy. And then I mentioned at the end there, OR-15 robots and Orisa. So we're going to Orisa. She's from Nigeria, uh, specifically Numbani. Oh, I thought it was, oh, someone's a fun new in South Africa. It's in Nigeria. She's only a month old. Yes, she's a month old. She's very recently built. So, to get into um, Orisa, we actually have to talk about Ify, 
I think I have a picture of him on the slide. It pops up. Yeah. Beefy. Oh, um, she is an 11-year-old girl from Numbani, a peaceful city in Africa, and one of the only places where humans and omnics live together in pure harmony. She was exceptionally skilled in mathematics and science and specifically turned her attention to robot creation when her parents got her robotics kit as a gift. Um, she garnered a lot of attention with an impressive resume by such a young age and was actually given a scientific grant for her work. Very uh, much like um, Black Panther's sister. Yeah, yeah, she's a little bit like Shuri. Um, but she's not like she's not a princess. She's just a, a regular 11-year-old girl. Um, after Doomfist's attack on Numbani where he captured his gauntlet, the OR-15 security units, a bunch of them, were destroyed. But she, Ify found one that had suffered minimal damage compared to the others, and that one was actually being auctioned off. Ify bought it using the money from her grant. She took the robot back to her workshop and began repairing and upgrading it, being inspired to give it by a, a personality by the Overwatch heroes of old because she used to grow up watching the cartoons they made about Overwatch heroes and learning about their stories. She posted her progress on it online under the name of Hologram, H-O-L-L-A, Graham. Ify rebuilt the robot to be much better and more personal than, than it had formerly been, and she gave it the name Orisa, because O-R-15 kind of makes the O-R-I-S, and then I A, got it, Orisa. I got it, yeah. <laughs> Ify trained her to be a dev devoted protector to Nimbani and all her people. Um, so, Orisa is... I mean, she's got, like, that big gun there and stuff, and she has actually, in Overwatch 2, she gets, like, a big spear that she throws at people. Oh, okay. um, so she's a devoted protector, but she also, you know, tries to help the little guy out, you know, crossing guards and stuff like that, too. Um, when Doomfist returned in Umbani, Orisa fought him, but actually lost. When Doomfist was about to give a final destructive blow, Ify begged him to spare Orisa. Doomfist acknowledged that he knew who Ify was, and he was impressed with her work. He explained his philosophy and offered her a place in Talon, which is kind of crazy to offer an 11-year-old girl a yeah, slot here. Kids. Join our, join our <laughs> violent network of... Yeah. Our terrorist organization. But if he well, refused unfor him. Unfortunately, though, that's that's very true in the real world. So. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but Ify had the strength to refuse him. Um, while they were talking, Orisa was actually able to wake up and self-repair herself just enough to subdue Doomfist, and Doomfist fled. Ify later repaired Orisa, and then the pair attended a Unity Day concert where Lucio, we talked about last time, the Brazilian rebel freedom fighter turned DJ, um, he was performing. Doomfist actually attacked again at the concert, but Orisa and Lucio together were able to fight him off, and Orisa and Ify became national heroes. Uh, so if you want to watch Orisa, you can um, watch the Orisa origin story, which is mostly just about Ify building her, and then you can read about or the whole story of Orisa in the Hero of Numbani novel. Nice. You should, uh, you, you, at the end of this episode, you should send me some links. I can put links to a lot of this stuff in the show notes, or if you write on your blog, maybe, and put oh, a bunch yeah. of links to some yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, the like nice a, thing about Overwatch is every comic, every and every short story is available on all together on the Overwatch website. Um, and right. I think most of the animated shorts are there too, and you can also watch them on YouTube. So everything's like pretty consolidated, which is nice. Good, good. Um, but yeah, that's Orisa. Uh, she's a pretty fun character. Uh, and yeah, just a month old, very recent creation. Um, after Doomfist, we're going to talk about Widowmaker. I think Widowmaker is one of my favorite backstories in all of Overwatch. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Her real name is Emily Leproa. 
Lacroix, I think. She's French. Uh, she's about 33 years old at the time of the Overwatch recall. I need to find... She reminds me of the villain woman from He-Man. Yeah. Evil yes, Lynn. she is a sniper, and we will explain why she's blue in just a second. She's not like an alien or anything like that. Um, so Emily Lacroix was born to a rich family, and she was actually an accomplished ballet dancer in French. In French, in France, she was married to Gerard Lacroix, an Overwatch agent who organized a lot of Overwatch's strategies against Talon. Talon tried many, many times to eliminate Gerard, including attack the attacks that catalyzed the, Ven the Venice incident, so that explosion at the base that made them go to Venice, Blackwatch, Blackwatch go to Venice, was actually an attempt specifically to assassinate Gerard. But uh, Talon was always unsuccessful. Um, after many failed attempts, Talon kidnapped Emily to try to get to Gerard. While she was kidnapped by Talon, Emily was subjected to intense neural reconditioning that broke her will, suppressed her personality, and reprogrammed her. She was later found by Overwatch agents and was rescued and then taken back home, seemingly normal. But two weeks after being brought home, she killed Gerard in his sleep and returned to Talon. That sounds um, terrible. Yeah, so they reprogrammed her to kill her husband. Um, and then, but Overwatch only thought that uh, Talon had found Gerard again, kidnapped Emily again, and killed him. They weren't aware that Emily was the one that did it. Back with Talon, she underwent more procedures to become a living weapon. She was trained in covert arts and became an expert sniper. They slowed her heart to numb her feelings of pain and the ability to feel emotion, and this also made her skin cold and blue. Wow, I don't know if the science cute. behind that checks out, but... Um, you don't think it checks out if you slow your heart down and you'll be... I mean, you blue. might be blue, but you, know, you might not live that long, so... Yeah, but that's why she's blue. Um, she became Widowmaker, Talon's most effective assassin. She was sent on a mission, including the one where she was believed to have killed Anna Amari. So you remember we were talking about Anna, the sniper who got shot through her scope? So oh, yeah, Anna yeah. froze and didn't take the shot because she recognized the enemy sniper, and that sniper was Emily. Uh, and Emily okay. was believed to have been killed probably by Talon. So that's why it was such a shock to Anna um, to see, not only to see that Emily was alive, but that she was on the opposite side of Talon. Um, and then Widowmaker was also the assassin behind the Takartha Mandata assassination, which Tracer failed to thwart. Despite the fact that she's no longer supposed to feel any emotion or have remnants of her old personality because of the neural reconditioning, Emily still visits her husband's grave and leaves roses there. So if you want to watch uh, Widowmaker, she appears in the Alive animated short, which is about the assassination of Dakartha Mandata. She's in the Infiltration animated short, the Overwatch first cinematic trailer about her attempt to try and steal the Doomfist Gauntlet with Reaper. And she briefly appears in the Ironclad story mission in a cutscene. If you want to read about Widowmaker, she appears, obviously, in the Anna Legacy comic, where Anna sees her face. Um, and then she appears in the Tracer London Calling comic and in the Masquerade, the Doomfist Masquerade comic. That's Widowmaker. She, I just think she has such a cool backstory. Yeah, um, yeah. Really interesting stuff there. Very sad. <laughs> Probably the saddest backstory also. Yeah. Um, yeah, but next we have Sombra. Sombra's another favorite character of mine. Um, Sombra is, her real name's Olivia Colomar, but she pretty much exclusively goes by Sombra. She's from Dorado, Mexico. She's about 30 years old at the time of the Overwatch recall. 
So Olivia was orphaned by the Omnic Crisis and took to her computer skills and ability to manipulate people to help her get by. She was taken in by a gang in Mexico called Los Muertos, which were a uh, pretty standard standard gang. They didn't get up to anything serious, but one thing was that they were pretty anti-Omnic. They were one of the groups that were kind of like beating Omnics in the streets. Um, but Sombra aided in getting them information to help them fight against the government in exchange for protection because she was a very young girl. Um, the Smartos believed that the post-war rebuilding process was only benefiting the rich and powerful. So, she she wasn't, Olivia wasn't really into the anti-Omnic stuff, she's not very anti-Omnic. Her thing was mostly against the rich and powerful corporations trying to take, you know, take advantage of the rebuilding after the Omnic crisis, so a lot of her hacking was focused on them, not on Omnics. Um, Olivia continued hacking and getting more and more information to the point that it became an addiction. She found out about a global conspiracy. The details haven't been fully revealed to us as the audience yet, but she quickly realized that the people behind the conspiracy had noticed her and her security was compromised. Olivia deleted all traces of her identity, took on the name Sombra, got cybernetic implants to assist her with her hacking. So you can see like the things on the side of her head and stuff are cybernetic implants. She assists with her hacking, and then she began setting out to find out who really runs the world, striking against companies like Lumerico, Mexico's state-sponsored explo exploitative energy company, or Volskaya Industries in Russia, which built a lot of anti-omnic war technology, like big mech suits and stuff. Um, so they were ones that like kind of did take advantage of the omnic crisis in a way. Uh, so they're kind of a suspect company too. Talon actually recruited Sombra, admiring her work, and she aided them in a string of anti-government hacks internationally. Sombra doesn't really believe in Talon's mission, the strengthening humanity through conflict. She's not really into that. Um, but Talon gives her a lot of protection and resources to work on her own projects. Uh, Sombra has worked frequently with agents such as Reaper, even though he can be frustrated by her methods. A notable one was an attack on Volskaya Industries, where they were sent to assassinate the leader of Volskaya Industries, Katya Volskaya. Widowmaker was supposed to snipe her, but Sombra purposefully set off the alarm, giving her the chance to race after Katya and get her alone in a room. So instead of killing her, Sombra instead blackmailed her in exchange for future favor. Katya later sent an agent of her own after Sombra, who researched her and traveled around the world until she discovered Sombra's true identity and tracked her down in a confrontation. If you want to watch Sombra, she appears in the Sombra origin story video, the infiltration animated short, and she's briefly in the Ironclad story mission, um, not playable, just in the cutscene. And if you want to read Sombra, there's the Code of Violence short story she's briefly in. Um, she's in the Zarya Searching comic and the Doomfist Masquerade comic. So that's Sombra. Sombra's actually Lizzie's favorite character. Oh, okay. I, cause I, I've seen her before, too. Yeah, she's a very fun. Um, she's a very fun character. Um, I think the infiltration short was the anim animated short they released um, to sort of announce her re um, release. Because what was fun about Sombra before she was released into the game um, was they had like for months, like all over websites and social media, and even in the game, like not just in the game, like you could see it while playing, like, in the code of the game, like, right. dropped all these hints about Sombra. People were putting this big puzzle together, and then they, um, released her in the infiltration short. It's kind of when we first got to see Sombra and her abilities and her personality, and she's just a very fun character to watch. So. Yes, just a very good time. Um, but, 
I mentioned the Russian company Volskaya Industries and how Katya Volskaya sent out an agent to look for, um, to look for Sombra. And that agent was Zarya. Her uh, full name is Alexandra Zaryanova, but she mostly goes by Zarya. She is Russian, about 28 years old at the time of the Overwatch recall. Um, so though Russia fought off Omnix in the first crisis, it still devastated the region where Zarya lived. She grew up surrounded by the aftermath of destruction and swore to gain strength to help her people recover. She became a champion bodybuilder and weightlifter, but the night before tournament, the Siberian Omnium awoke once again, and Zarya immediately turned returned home to help her people fight instead of competing in the contest. She enlisted in the Russian Defense Forces, fighting against the Omnics to protect her country. After the attempted assassination of Katya Volskaya, leader of Volskaya Industries, a company building mechs to help the war effort, Zarya was called in to hunt down Sombra, the mysterious agent who tried to black blackmail Katya. Zarya went all over the world searching for information on Sombra. In this, and Zarya was very anti-Omnic, but during this time she met Link-17 and Omnic. Though Zarya did not trust Omnic because of her experience in Russia, she and Link became friends and Zarya's perspective began to change on Omnic. Zarya finally caught Sombra, but Sombra forced her to release her by threatening to release the incriminating information on Katya that she was getting, which the incriminating information was that she was getting her technology to fight Omnix from Omnix themselves. And so, like, a lot of her blueprints for her mechs were actually created by Omnix. If, she, if um, so yeah. Zarya let her go so that Sombra didn't release that information. Sombra also did hack Link-17, causing him to collapse and rig the building they were in to explode. Forced to make a choice, Zarya let Sombra go and rescued Lynx, carrying him to safety. Zarya then confronted Katya on what Sombra had shown her, but Katya convinced her to keep it a secret, saying that Russia just wouldn't understand yet. Later, Zarya was actually sought out by Cole Cassidy, your cowboy. Um, he helped her unit fight off some Omnics and then recruited Zarya into his new forming Overwatch team, which Zarya accepted. If you want to watch Zarya, she's briefly in the Resistance Story mission, not playable, and she's playable in the Liberation Story mission. She also very briefly appears in the inf Infiltration animated short. If you want to read about Zarya, the Zarya Searching comic line is all about her search for Sombra, and then you can hear about her getting, or read about her getting recruited in the New Blood comic. So yeah, that's Zarya. She was the um, character that made me want to dye my hair pink in high school. Uh, oh, is that why you dyed your hair pink? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, this is her Overwatch 2 updated look, but oh, in okay. her Overwatch 1 look, she had, like, shorter, like, cropped hair. Oh, okay. All right. Now she has a little ponytail. Yeah, that's Arya. So she's another member of Overwatch. Um, Next we have... This is another character with a really interesting but very sad backstory. Um, This is Sigma. His full name is Dr. Sebrin de Kuiper, Kuiper I think. Um, he is Dutch from the Netherlands, and he's about 62 years old at the time of the Overwatch recall. So, Dr. de Kuiper was a pioneering astrophysicist who was... He doesn't have any shoes on. No, he doesn't have any <laughs> shoes on. Um, yeah, that's... Didn't he have wooden shoes on? No, the shoes are the least of his worries. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, but he was a pioneering astrophysicist who was mostly interested in studying gravity. He performed an experiment on the on the International Space Station, but during the experiment, the protective field around his experiment destabilized and a black hole was briefly formed. Exposed to the power of the black hole, Quibbert, the Quibbert began to have a strange, fluctuating relationship to gravity. 
and also experienced a complete psychological breakdown. He was deemed a danger to himself and others and was detained in a secret government facility. He was called Subject Sigma and he was experimented on. Um, so that relationship to gravity includes floating around, being able to move rocks and things, you know, telekinetically. Um, and then also psychological breakdown doesn't even get in half of it. Um, but Talon discovered the existence of Subject Sigma and they broke him out planning to use him for their own goals. Since being with Talon, he's gained some control over his powers, though his mind is ir ir um, irreparably fractured, with him constantly hearing strange music. Um, mm. Talon granted him a lab that he spends most of his time working away happily, completely unaware that Talon is using and even experimenting on him. So, poor Sigma lives a life of a lot of pain. Um, you know, there's some very sad... Because one way that lore is given in Overwatch um, in the game is, um, you know, even when it's not a story mission or something, before a game starts, like when you're in a little lobby pre-game, the characters, certain characters have little interactions with each other where they talk. Um, so, like, one thing is, we talked about Marcy last time, she's a doctor with wings, and Sigma um, t goes to Marcy and he talks about, he's like, oh, like, are we going to grab lunch later, like we said? And Marcy's like, that conference was years ago, doctor. So it's like, he's he's very messed up. Um, I really recommend watching. He's I think one of the coolest origin story videos. The Sigma origin story um, video is very well done. Um, and then he also appears kind of briefly in the Code of Violence short story, which is gets into a little bit about him being um, take busted out by Talon. So yeah, he's uh he's kind of an unwitting member of Talon. Um, but a lot of time they just give him his little lab and let him do, you know, kind of little experiments. Nothing to the caliber of what he was capable of before the accident. Um, they just kind of let him do his own thing until they need to experiment him, uh, experiment on him or use him. So yeah, that's poor Sigma. But, you know, when you float around, you don't really need shoes, so. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense now that he doesn't wear shoes. Yeah. Like I said, shoes are the least of his problems. Um, so yeah, that's Sigma. And then, oh, go back. Italian. We'll talk about Baptiste. Um, I really enjoy Baptiste. Uh, his full name is Jean Baptiste Augustine, but he mostly just goes by Baptiste. He is from Haiti. He's about 36 years old. So Baptiste was also another character that was orphaned by the Omnic Crisis as a child, and he grew up in an orphanage where he befriended a close friend named Rosaline. The two had a passion for medicine and wanted to open up a clinic in their community when they grew up. When Baptiste did grow up, though, a lack of resources in Haiti um, to let him achieve his dream led him to join the Caribbean Coalition, a military force that was formed after the Omnic Crisis. Baptiste always wanted to help people, and he became a combat medic. After his service was over, Talon actually sought Baptiste out because of his skill set as a medic. Um, they promised him some easy riches, which Baptiste intended to use to get sent back home for the clinic for Rosaline, and he joined. At first, Baptiste didn't really mind his time in Talon. The missions were easy with good money, and it wasn't much different from the military. He made some friends, such as another soldier named Malga, who we'll talk about later. As time went on, Baptiste began to see more brutality from his unit in town. After some missions of assassinations and with, uh, some serious civilian casualties, Baptiste realized that town just wasn't ending conflicts but creating them. 
On his next mission, he decided to flee in a boat. Malga caught him, his friend, but let him go. Baptiste traveled from place to place, never staying in one place too long because he was getting hunted by Talon. But he did send money back home to Rosaline for the clinic. Uh, Talon sent agents after Baptiste because he knew too much, but he always defeated them. Once, while visiting Rosaline and helping her in the clinic, Rosaline explained that a pharmaceutical company that was providing ne um, necessary supplies was skyrocketing the prices and they couldn't afford them anymore, leaving people to, to have to take drugs that they got from the street, which was very unsafe. Shortly after, Malga and some other town operatives found Baptiste in Haiti and threatened the clinic and his community until he gave in to do a mission. They went to St. Clair, the owner of the pharmaceutical company, and harassed him because he also owned, owed Talon money. Baptiste actually grabbed Sinclair and fled from the other Talon agents. He sent for someone to pick up Sinclair and take him to safety, but also made Sinclair promise to provide the medicine for the clinic for free. In exchange, Baptiste wouldn't reveal his location to Talon. Baptiste had another confrontation with Malga, and Malga this time did not want to let him go, but Baptiste managed to get away still. Baptiste then set off with stolen data from Sinclair, realizing the town was hunting Overwatch agents. Um, he saw Angela Ziegler, who he had worked with in refugee camps before, and set out to find her and warn her. He went to Cairo to find Angela, as that was her last known location. Angela had already left by the time, but he did run into Cole Cassidy, the cowboy. Cassidy didn't trust him at first, but the two actually fought, and when town agents showed up, they formed an alliance. They got away, and Baptiste agreed to join the new Overwatch with Cassidy. Um, if you want to watch Baptiste, you can get all this backstory in the Baptiste origin video, and he also appeared in the Malco origin video, and you can read a lot of this in What You Left Behind, the short story, the New Blood comic, the As You Are short story, and he appears in both the Res Resistance and the Liberation story missions. So I know that was a lot, but I think Baptiste has one of the more, we're not, you know, it's a, you know, sci-fi world with robots and, and there's magic and all this stuff, but I think Baptiste is probably, like, a very real backstory, in my opinion. Um, yeah, well, here, you have a question about what do you think of Omni, um, Omnix Zoe? Omnix. Are they bad? Is it? So, I think, I you know, especially the way they're presented in the game, Omnix are really just... Um, uh, you know, I assume as a lot of the droids in Star Wars are their own personalities, their own people, but, you know, they can be programmed to do certain things. So, like, the Omnic Crisis, when they took over the world, it wasn't actually a bunch of Omnics, you know, deciding, like, oh, we, you know, all us Omnics want to get together and kill all the humans. Um, the Omnic Crisis was, and I went into this in the last episode, was about the Anubis AI, which was a god program AI that breached containment and took over every single Omnic and made them fight for its own purposes to destroy humanity. Um, so it really wasn't the Omnic's fault. Um, but then, you know, there are, like we talked about Null Sector, which was an Omnic terrorist group, there are Omnics that are, you know, more violent and trying to do these things. But then, you know, you also think of the Saw Gerrera approach, you know, they're fighting for Omnic rights, just in a very violent way uh, but then we also have you know there's omnic religious groups and pacifists and there's omnics there's omnic butlers like there's omnics just being like normal people so well i also think people your age think of things differently too so like when i was a kid i just remember the first time we played D D years ago when we played D D, if you met up with like a group of hobgoblins you just killed them all you know what i mean you just killed like 
it, we'd go into the cave and there's women and children. We just killed them all. And I remember the first time you guys played, you're like, oh, wait, we're not going to kill the women and children. <laughs> and so, you know, 12 year, well, 10 year old me playing D and D, we weren't quite that deep. We were, it was pretty much cut and dry. So, mm. yeah, Kevin, Kevin got a. Yeah. Kevin's Kevin's following your Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, um, Baptiste, I think it was like a very real, you know, story. He dreamed of doing good in the world, but didn't have the resources to do it. And in trying to get those resources, end up joining with a, you know, terrible group of people. And then he's having a really hard time breaking free of that um, because those people are after him. Um, but he's still just a good person trying his best. So. I really do enjoy Baptiste and his character a lot. And also there's you know, d- the details about the pharmaceutical company pricing out the poor clinics and trying to help people. This one, I'm just a little late, but I, I didn't see this one. Too. He popped out of his clogs with all the havoc happening. Yeah, he probably did drop his clogs during the black hole. He probably got sucked into the black hole. So, I, I missed that one. But yeah. what do you think about? Yeah, I that just piece? I look at a lot of these, and I look at um, I just look at man, co- there's so much costuming possibility. I'm surprised there's not an Overwatch costuming group. Yeah, I mean Overwatch cosplay is a huge thing, um, especially because yeah, like you think any any one of these characters, most of these characters I'm showing this is their second look because Overwatch two every hero except one got a new look, and then also well, the every hero cool. gets skins and yeah. Well, the, the nice we- thing I mean, about I've... Overwatch is the game lets you take any weapon and you can pull it up and you can rotate it around and look at it, like all the details on it. Yeah, because I, I 3D printed the tracer pistols, mm-hmm. and I still got to think of a way to to modify that Western rifle for Amanda Lauren Murray. Yeah, I think I'm well, gonna match it. Up. You know, they just they did a, a set of um themed. They were like it was sci-fi themed skins, and she that western rifles she got one and hers mm-hmm. was a space smuggler skin and it was just like their sci-fi was just basically like star wars eve it was very star wars yeah um well, I was so looking you'll at have that. to look at her sci-fi inspired rifle and see if that'll work i was her. looking at the end of boba fett's um blaster and thinking i, I could probably modify that and put that mm-hmm. on the end of like the barrel make it longer yeah. like boba fett's so. Um, yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention too is the what you left behind, which is the bulk of the Baptiste backstory I went over here, is within the what you left behind story, and that um, is written by Alyssa Wong, the writer of the Afro comics. Oh, cool. So that's how you know it's a good story. <laughs> well, I just I know with what you're planning to do with your career, your writing ability should be put to the test for some of these games or comics or something. <laughs> Um, you know, so. Um, yeah, well, that's Baptiste. Very fun guy. And then I mentioned Malga, his friend from Talon. Um, this is Malga, uh, full name Malgaloa Malosi. He is Samoan. Uh, he's about 37 years old at the time of the Overwatch recall. Um, so, fun Star Wars connection for Malga. Um, Malga is voiced by John Tui, who played Corso in Solo. And I didn't remember who Corso was. I think most people probably don't. So Corso was actually the um, fourth, yeah, I think the fourth member of Beckett's gang. Um, but he was killed 
in that first scene on Mimban. So there isn't really like. Oh, so is um, that one of the cut scenes? Is that one of the cut? No. So you, a guy gets shot down. We see him get shot down. And then you remember um, Val yells at Beckett something about like, well, Corso died. Like Corso just got shot or something like that. So very, very, oh. very background character. Oh, but man. that actor voices Moga. Oh, okay. So fun little stars connection. Um, so and back to back to solo. If they listen to you, you Mike and um, and Brian Young predicting s- solo, I think you guys predicted almost everything in that movie <laughs> in that episode, which was like a year and a half or more. It was when they first announced solo, solo. I think, yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. all butchered what's his name's name too, Aaron Reich's name. Oh yeah, Alden Aaron Reich. Sorry, Alden. Um. Well, so this is Malga. So Malga's father led a branch of an eco-rebel group known as the Deep Sea Raiders. And these raiders became Malga's family. They took him on their various adventures, and it was from then, them that Malga learned how to fight, use his charm, and get her on the wall. An intense battle on a raider mission left Malga critically injured, but one of the medics, medics was quickly able to save his life by giving him a second cybernetic heart. So not replacing his heart, giving him an extra heart. Wow. Um, drawing strength from his new organ, Malga was able to end the fight, and he became a local legend. Um, again, I don't know what the how sound the science is, but it's Overwatch, so it's okay. Well, you got um, the blue girl <laughs> and the guy with two hearts. You know, they, they yeah. could probably get together and just have a normal color kid. <laughs> um, upon returning from the mission, more enhancements and surgeries awaited Malga as he continued to grow his power more and more. But the stronger he got, the more maintenance he needed. Uh, activity from the deep sea raiders started to die down, but Malga wanted more. He heard about a worthy opponent in Doomfist and tracked him down and challenged him to a fight. Doomfist accepted, but to both of the men's surprise and their chagrin, the fight ended in a draw. Doomfist was impressed, impressed and offered Malga a place in Talon. Malga began running many missions in Talon, and it was on these missions he grew a close friendship with Baptiste. When Baptiste was leaving Talon, Malga caught him, but did not stop him. He told the other members of Talon that he couldn't find Baptiste, but he told Baptiste before leaving to call when he wanted to come home. Though several years later, Malga would track Baptiste again, and he was able to convince Baptiste to run one mission. However, after the mission, Malga tried to bring Baptiste back to Talon alive. They fought, but Baptiste was able to escape. Malga has run many more missions, including one with Sombra and Reaper. He frustrated both Sombra and Reaper by seemingly letting his carefree attitude and affinity for blowing things up sabotage the mission, but in the end, it came to light that his actions were all efforts to achieve their goal, even if one went against the plan. So he was actually kind of... He, they thought he was just messing things up, but he was actually doing everything very well, just not according to their plan. Um, he's like, he kind of, to put it in Star Wars terms, he's a very Wrecker-like character, just like if Wrecker was on the bad guy side. Oh, okay. Um, like he's well, kind of, yeah. he's this carefree, like big buff, loud dude who's kind of blowing things up and smashing things around. But he's kind of smarter than you give him credit for. Like he plays dumb a little bit. Well, the the more I listen, the the I you know what this makes me think of? It makes me think of the eighties He Man. Like the He I was uh, He Man came late for me. Mm-hmm. My cousin was big in He Man. But they had a lot of characters that had they were just action figures. It, this was before video games were that good. But they had these these backstories built from comic books and and paintings and stuff like that. And they were they all had like pretty cool origin stories and different 
abilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. You and Dan Brooks should do a He-Man episode. Yeah, I don't know anything about He-Man. But yeah, I think in a way, I think Overwatch is almost like a, a modern incarnation. Know, like you know that and like gi joe and transformers yeah. like all the cartoons that were mainly just to provide backstory for toys in a way o- right. overwatch is kind of that where it's you know the toys are just the different characters you can play as in the video game that's not for the most part not story focused um and then there's just they just have all these other things to kind of make backstory for you to enjoy playing with the toys more yeah um yeah but if you want to watch melga he's in the mouth Maga origin story video, and he there is an a great day animated short um, about a, the mission he runs with Reaper and Sombra. I really recommend that one. Uh, I think it's pretty fun. Um, if you want to read Melga, he's in the What You Left Behind short story, which is the one by Alyssa Wong. So I think that's all our characters. That's all the characters from the book. Yeah. And again, if people are listening, almost three hours. <laughs> Yeah, well, if people are listening, they can jump over to YouTube and see the pictures, and then if hopefully Zoe will eventually can do a write-up on Star Wars Geek Girl. Uh, it would be a very long... Or yeah. just even if you just put some links, if you just put some links for people that are lazy. I, I, yeah. I know most, most of it's a Google search away, but sometimes when you're reading something, if you have some links right away. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a neat game. It's It's not really my because i'm just older and i i don't it's not my type of game but i like i I played it a few times Mm -hmm. um i like bigger i like bigger i get by the time i figure out what i'm doing i'm already shot (laughs) uh, you know i I need bigger maps to figure out what i'm doing Uh, yeah overwatch is very um it's a hero shooter and it's very you know smaller maps relative for most modes very fast paced um, which is what I like about it, but it does make it intimidating to get into. But I think, you know, if you're interested, it looks like a game you'd have fun with. Um, I think playing it and trying out a bunch of heroes is a great, great way. To and it's nice because you can just jump in and play, right? You don't yeah. have to. And it's you know. um, Overwatch. The original Overwatch was a full-priced um, AAA game, but Overwatch 2 is free. Um, it's just um, to unlock newer heroes you have to either complete challenges or if you don't feel like doing challenges which the challenges don't take very long but if you don't feel like doing you just buy them um i always complete the challenges um yeah uh and then there's the, there are three currently about three currently available story missions to play um and i think it's like 10 bucks to get the three of them uh to play and they're very fun i like them a lot and then i think they're releasing cool. more earlier this year um, yeah, and speaking of the story missions, because we're not done, just because we're done with characters. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what happened to the recall. So we've been talking a lot about the recall that Winston, um, he was the big gorilla in the middle. Winston, yeah, I'm looking at the um, picture now. Yes. So Winston called this recall, and then some heroes answered it and some didn't. So yeah, here we have... Some of the people who answered and met up with him in Paris. Um, so that's Genji. We see Echo back there. Brigitte, Mercy, Tracer, and May, who were with him, and Reinhardt. Um, the Overwatch 2 cinematic trailer. Very good. Um, a little emotional. I love it. Um, oh, yeah. Oops. Let me do that. So after the recall, there was a null sector attack that was devastating Paris. Winston, Tracer, and May. So we have Winston. Can you see my cursor, by the way? 
Say that again. Can you see my cursor? When I move yes, I can see your cursor. Yes. Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if you could. Because sometimes when you screen share, it doesn't. I mean, I got it. Yeah, well, it depends on, on the restream is wonderful, but if you have like Facebook open or anything like that, it lags. Yeah. yeah. It's not a commercial for restream or anything, but. But, uh, restream is really nice but yes um so winston called the recall and then he met up with tracer and may um and they all went to paris to help with this null sector attack they dropped in to help people escape and fight back but they quickly became overrun by a large titan omnic with things looking really dire however genji echo mercy who all showed up independently and then reinhardt and brigida who showed up together um, came to their aid and helped them take down the Titan and repel Null Sector from Paris. Though they're still without any official UN sanction, Winston stated to some hopeful Parisians that Overwatch was back to save the world again, even if they weren't legally allowed to. You know, I have that mechanical gorilla mask in the Halloween stuff. I should get <laughs> it out, put it on a foam head, and put a pair of glasses on it. We could have a Winston. We could have a Winston thing in the in the Winston. game room. Oh, I would love that. Give him this little headband. Yeah. And then we just need to get a little hamster, and that can be... Remember the hamster in the ball? Fake hamster. Fake one. Fake, oh, yeah, fake hamster. <laughs> um, yeah, so after the recall in Rio de Janeiro, the next big... was where the next big null sector attack was. The local freedom fighter, Lucio, the DJ, um, was trying to fight them off himself with the resources that, he, resources that he had at home, but he was finding himself overrun. He made a desperate call to the newly formed Overwatch for help, and luckily for him, the new Overwatch team arrived to help. They helped Lucio clear the Omnics from the city and take down the ship there. Impressed with Lucio's skills and integrity, they offered him a place among the ranks in Overwatch so he could help free the whole world from their reign of terror, which he accepted. Upon arriving back to the Watchpoint Gibraltar, which they made their home base, um, they were greeted by an unlikely surprise. Cassidy's assembled team of Overwatch was there to join up to, including Cassidy, Baptiste, Zarya, Diva, and Farah. So if you remember Baptiste and Zarya we just talked about today, Cassidy yeah. was that cowboy. Diva was the Korean um, gamer turned mecha yeah. pilot. And Farah was the girl with the jetpack. Um, so nice. what's really interesting about this, so the three... This slide and the next two slides are all um, the more most recently released story missions. Um, so what's really interesting is that for the years leading up to, for the years, for like a year leading up to Overwatch 2's release and when they released the story missions and stuff, there's this line of comics that was all about Cassidy kind of forming his own little Overwatch group. But then when the cinematic trailer for Overwatch came out, it didn't have any of those characters. It was its own Overwatch group forming. So everyone was really, you know, wondering how they were going to bring the two together. Um, so it was cool to see, like, this comic group come and uh, join the group in cool. the game. Um, but yeah, so... After, uh, well, when Null Sector first reemerged in Toronto, Canada, Sojourn, the, uh, do you remember the Canadian um, woman? She had, like, the white hair, and she, uh, yeah. she was a member of Overwatch. Sojourn found herself defending Toronto pretty much by herself, using her Overwatch technology and connections across the city to create the city's own defense force, even though it was against the law. Her forces were putting up a good defense against Null Sector, but not good enough. Luckily for her, the new Overwatch came to her aid to save Toronto. They helped Sojourn rescue citizens and get as many people as they could on the boats for safety. We can see um, during the story mission, you can see that Null Sector 
on the different screens and signs around Toronto is displaying Ramatra giving a speech about the liberation of Omnix, um, but our heroes don't know who Ramatra is yet. Throughout their mission through the subways, they discovered that Null Sector had created new Omnix called Subjugators that were attaching strange devices to the heads of Omnix that seemed to shut them down. Sojourn, or Winston, also convinced a reluctant Sojourn to join their new Overwatch, telling her that her help would be valuable in ending this threat to the world. So Sojourn kind of had a bad taste in her mouth about Overwatch. She still agreed in the ideals, but with the whole Blackwatch shutting down, um, and a lot of, you know, because Jack Morrison and Gabriel Reyes were both killed in an explosion, killed in big air quotes, um, in a big explosion before Overwatch was officially dissolved, a lot of the pressure during the dissolving came on Sojourn because she was the acting leader. Uh, so she kind of had a bit of a bad taste in her mouth. She also testified against Overwatch as far as the Blackwatch activity, which gave her some ill will between her and people like Soldier 76. Um, so she had a bit of a bad taste in her mouth about Overwatch, but Winston was able to convince her that, you know, it's not about all the politics of the old Overwatch, it's about the ideals and saving the world. But yeah, the biggest development in Toronto is learning about these strange devices getting attached the backs of the head of different omnics yeah those were those that picture reminds me of battletech and mech warrior from the 80s oh uh. and they also have some of the armor is a very warhammer like warhammer 40k yeah I see that so that's my two cents <laughs> on some of that but. um yes yeah. so speaking of these strange devices putting on the back of omnics heads um, they wanted to crack the code of these mysterious devices, so Brigitte and Reinhardt um, decided to take one of the Omnics with the device on their head to Torbjorn, Brigitte's dad's workshop. Unfortunately, while they're there, Torbjorn's workshop becomes under attack, and this is in Gothenburg, Sweden. Unfortunately, while they're there, Torbjorn's work workshop becomes under attack by the Null Sector forces, using the skills of the heroes, the help of Bastion, remember the robot with the hat and the bird, um, and Torbjorn's yeah, yeah. built-in defenses, they manage to fight Null Sector off. Reinhardt tries to convince Torbjorn to come back with them and rejoin Overwatch, but Torbjorn refuses, stating that his mission now is to protect the rest of his family, and that it's the younger generation's turn now. He even offers for Reinhardt to come settle down with him and his family, but Reinhardt says that this new mission is his second chance. Bastion does, does decide to go with Reinhardt and Brigida, but Torbjorn makes Reinhardt promise to bring him home in one piece. Torbjorn hasn't figured out the secret of the Null Sector device yet, but he promises to tell them when he figures something out. So, fun little mission there. Um, and then, so the, each of those stories with their own mission, this is the last cutscene of the new um, uh, story missions. So there's a surprise cutscene at the end. Uh, we do see Zenyatta meditating, and he is reflecting on some of his memories with Zenyatta, name, or with Ramatra, namely when Ramatra decided to go and leave um, the Shambhali, the Omnic religious group, to eventually, the Zenyatin at the time, eventually formed Null Sector. Um, and he is approached while meditating by Widowmaker, Sombra, and some town soldiers. Um, and Sombra kind of calms and says, or I think it was the Widow said, calms and says, we found him. So he leaves on a huge cliffhanger and worrying about Zenyatta's face, fate, but also raising a lot of questions, like, why is Talon looking for Zenyatta? You know, Zenyatta was a brother to Ramatra, but it's unclear how they know that. And then also, you know, the biggest reason I can think of is either the Ramatra connection or because Zenyatta was kind of a second in line 
to Dakartha Mandata, the former leader of the Shambhali. So you could be looking for him for those reasons. Um, but so it's curious to see what they want with Zenyatta. Um, so yeah. So what's, those purple, what's the purple things in there? I think they're little flowers. He's oh. it's um it's a little water. Yeah, this is oh, just okay. part of the monastery. It's just a little water thing with okay. little water lilies in it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the future of Overwatch. So we don't really have any details yet, but we anticipate more Overwatch story missions coming this year. We still don't fully know how Talon is reacting to all the Null Sector attacks, how involved they are in them. Um, and we could begin to see other characters join the new Overwatch. Personally, I think we could probably see Ilyari, the um, Sun Warrior, the Anti-Warrior. Um, Life Weaver, the uh, ecological rebel. Um, Kiriko, uh, she was a friend of Genji's, or, and uh, Warrior the Fox Spirit, and rebel against uh, gr uh, criminals in uh, Kanaizaka. And Hanzo, Genji's brother. Those are a few that I think we could likely see join Overwatch, but a lot of characters could join. Um, we do also have a lot of other characters that are still operating more independently around the world. Like Soldier 76 and Ana are kind of doing their own mercenary stuff. Soldier specifically is hunting Reaper. Um, we also have all the Junkers doing their own thing. Wrecking Ball's out doing his own thing. Ash and the Deadlock Gang are running around America doing more crimes. So there's like a lot of different avenues they could explore. I think the Overwatch team did say not every single character is going to be in the main line of story missions that they're currently working on. Um, but we could see a lot of them get tied in. And of course, we have that cliffhanger with Zenyatta to solve. Personally, I'm really excited to see all the future Overwatch stories, you know, story missions, but also any of the short stories, comics, novels, the animated shorts or series, and all of it. I'm really excited for the future. Cool. Um, yeah, thank you. That was my presentation. About there you go. Overwatch. So we have we have three over three hours of Overwatch. Yes. Now. So lots of Overwatch. There's a lot there to cover. I'm gonna take Tracer off now. Yeah, well, that was good. I I, so, know, yeah. I feel like I know more about the game now. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and and I Kevin that was pretty comprehensive. So yeah, good. I am willing to talk Overwatch with anybody ever. I'm willing to play Overwatch with anybody. I love playing Overwatch too. Um. So yeah, their current um, battle. So they Overwatch and when Overwatch Two came out, adopted a battle pass system, a little bit similar to Fortnite, but with Overwatch, yeah. each one has its own theme. Um, so they've done Greek mythology, uh, Egyptian, or they're going to Egyptian mythology, Japanese mythology. They did. Uh, um, my favorite was the D and D themed battle oh, pass. Oh yeah, yeah. I I like looking at those. Um, those were pretty cool. Yeah, and they. They did the sci-fi one I mentioned earlier. They've done, I think they're up to nine now, different battle passes. The one they just did before was like a um, primal theme with like hunters and big monsters and stuff like that. But the current one is very cool. It's eldritch horror themed. Oh, really? Um, and so for the battle pass theme, they have a special event game mode where you're a group of four players. Um, and you're mostly just fighting against, you know, robots, just AI, not real people. But... Yeah each game one person on the team can gets randomly selected and they are given the option to betray their team <laughs> and fight oh, against man. their team it's, yeah it's like uh what was that show everyone played during covid 
Um, oh, Among Us? Among Us. It's like a little, among, yeah, it's among a little us. bit like Among Us, except, well, because Among Us, you're forced to be the imposter. With oh, this yeah, okay. game mode, you can choose if you want to betray your team or not. Um, Safi will betray the team more often than what not. I was going to say, if you play <laughs> Safi... <you laughs> that's what I just, learned yesterday. You just assume and she's going to betray you. Not only will she betray the team, but she'll kick our butts, too. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, yeah, um, I wouldn't turn my back on her. <laughs> um, but it's a really fun game mode. It's like, you know, it's Elder Tor, so it's big, creepy eyeballs and tentacles and, you know, cool. scary holes. But, so yeah, lots of good stuff for Overwatch. Um... Like I said, I'll talk about Overwatch anytime. Um, and even if you're not, you know, I probably scared at least a few people off Overwatch with how well, much that... it is. But like I said, you really don't need, like, all the stuff I said, like, you don't need to know any of it to play the game. You know, a lot of people just pick one character, maybe get really into that character. But, um, you yeah, that's this why I be like, this is the equivalent of, like, you know, reading every single book and comic book. For Star Wars, you know, yeah. you can you can enjoy Star Wars without reading anything. You can enjoy Star Wars. You can watch one Star Wars movie and enjoy it. Right. Um, that's that's just, what I. I know. just wanted to say at the beginning, just to so people know, you can just play the game. And and usually, that what's nice is, it is always nice to have more. Like if you mm -hmm. if you really like the game, but like I said, if you if you can't play it, like if you have a bus ride to work or you just want to pick up a book or just watch something on YouTube real quick. Um, it gives you something to do when you're in between playing a game. So, um, yeah, and like I said, I'll talk to Overwatch about anybody if you want specific recommendations about what I think you you might like. Um, you know, hit me up. <laughs> um, but like, I would really recommend if you just want to like, what just want to watch a good fun story. Um, the Last Bastion, I think, is one of the best Overwatch shorts you can watch because you don't really need to know anything about Overwatch. Um, so yeah, it's The Last Bastion. It's on YouTube. And it's also a really great example to me of doing good emotional storytelling without a single line of dialogue. Um, cool. But any any of the animated shorts exist pretty good on their own. Um, and they're all very visually, they're very well done. And then, like I said, if you do want to delve into short stories and comics, they're all available for free on overwatch.com. Nice. And there's... There are three books. There's the Hero of Numbani book, which I actually just got. I just got it on my phone, and I've just been reading it, like, you know, whenever I'm... Sometimes I'm like, okay... I've whenever you're not, not reading a Star been, Wars book? Well, that, but also I'm like, if you know, I'm on my phone a lot, because Star Wars, I want to read the physical book, but I'm like, man, I just scroll through social media, just nonsense, for way too long. So I might as well just, like, read, like, an actual story, inst like, instead yeah, of scrolling. Yeah. When I, if I have my phone out, I can just read a book. So, nice. I've been doing that. I've started the Hero Numbani about Ify and Orisa. It's very cute so far. Um, Ify invented little... So, they're little robots that you can send... If you're overbooked, you can send to a, like, a meeting or a class you can't make it to. Oh, um, nice. And it will show a hologram projection of you, and it will take little notes and record everything for you, and you can look back at it later to see what you missed in that meeting or class. So, that's hmm. her current invention. I'm very early in the book. <laughs> she hasn't made Orisa yet. Cool. So, yeah, fun stuff. Um, thank you so much to everybody who tuned in live to listen to me ramble about Overwatch. Um, is yeah, there any you. more chats? I can't see. I don't. I don't. We didn't get any more chats, Kevin. Okay. Kevin probably. You know, we, we, I think we took a lot of Kevin's time up. Yes. But, um, 
Um, the, I don't uh, want to miss any before signing off. Well, what what else are you? So what else are you working on with Star Wars Geek Girl with Star Wars and everything? Yeah, well, else? we know the Bad Batch is coming out next week, so we definitely want to start podcasting about that as soon as that. Oh, Kevin's still here. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> we definitely want to start um, podcasting about that when that comes back. Um, I've been I've been really good at staying on top of writing for the past couple of weeks. I'm very yeah, proud I've, of myself. I'm happy every day at work on the way home when I turn my um, phone on. I see. I think I what I, I think how I burned myself out last time is I would just write each article the day before it needed to be posted. It'll be okay. Mm. I'm like, and I planned it out like in advance. So it'll be like, okay, like I want to write this article for this day. And I'd be like, okay, I'll just write it the day before. So now I'm kind of batch writing them when I have time. I'll just write a couple uh, and then I can post without having to, you know. If I You're get busy boss. one week, I can. You were a I tough know. boss on yourself. I was, <laughs> I'm always tough boss myself. So I have I have a couple left to write. I think I have what I have six here left to write. That'll get me through February, and then I have my list for March, and it's all planned out. Um, so yeah, I've been staying on top of that a lot better. Um, I uh, I've been thinking about getting into the world of video essays. I wrote a few outlines for some video essays about Star Wars. I don't know if those will come to fruition, but video essays just seem very fun and very up my alley. So well, maybe I'll try my hand at this. Explain, explain to me what you mean by video essay, because I, I, I think I don't know what it is, but I might just... It <laughs> so, might be... a video essay is really just, um, it's just kind of, it's basically like you write your points like you would an essay you know you create your intro and all that you kind of write what you want to say and then you say it. it's really an essay like a written but it's just in video format so instead of people reading what you wrote you just talk and you know oh, have okay. a video or recording yourself talking instead so it's of like a quoting pod. yeah instead of quoting or linking something um you can just show the video of it on the screen so uh, i i gotcha um, I've, I've been like because at, at work um most days I'm doing, like, at least my first hour or so of work is a lot of very repetitive copy-pasting, emailing. Um, so I've been watching, or really listening, I'm not really watching, I'm working. But I'll put an earbud in and listen to a video essay while I'm working. So I've re- I was listening to some really good ones about the boys the other day. Oh, okay. Um, well, if you do any of those, we're going to have to put, like, a uh, PG or... Well, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna make one about the voice. Okay. Because um, I, I just don't feel. I don't feel like changing the settings on your podcast. <laughs> but they were. I was inspired by like, oh, you know, I could apply some of those ideas. They're just Star Wars. They're just and video is about a lot of stuff. Um. So I might get into right. that. Cool. Um. I have. I have some ideas. Um, but some of them might also just become regular written blog articles. Um, which, by the way, today I posted an article. It's something I've been, it's been on my mind a lot recently. It's just been something I've been thinking about. Like when you're in the car and you're driving, you talk to yourself about it. I was like, I should just write this down and post it. And then it was about um, all the people that say Palpatine, sacrif- or Palpatine coming back negates Anakin's sacrifice. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote and posted my stuff, my thoughts on that idea today. Um, so you can go check those out if you'd like. Yeah, I didn't read it today. I'm sorry. I, I went grocery shopping and had to fight the pre-snow people. Yes, we're going to be snowing tomorrow. Um, yeah, yes. I have a really, speaking of tomorrow, a very exciting interview for Star Wars Geek Girl. I don't want to spoil who it is yet, but I'm very excited. Um, I think it's going to be very fun. Uh, so that interview will be out probably sometime this week. And I think that's all the Star Wars Geek Girl stuff I have at the moment. Um, nice. 
But if you want to find any of that stuff I'm talking about, let me put my little picture up. Oh no, there it that. is. If you're if you're watching <laughs> it, it says go to it says Star Wars Geek Girl, StarWarsGeekGirl.com. Uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called is at SWGeekGirl. Uh, Instagram is SWGeekGirl. We finally got that one back. And Facebook, look up Star Wars Geek Girl. So that's yeah, so fine. Go to all those plugs. Um, if you want to find me personally, um, I've on Instagram at, at Spectre underscore five, five written out, not the number. I'm on TikTok under the same handle. I'm probably most active on TikTok. I try to post like one TikTok a day. Um, and then I'm on Twitter is at Azoica. So if you want to find me personally, um, that's all there. Which one are you most active on? TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And then again, if you can listen to the Full of Sith, the May 2016, one of theirs. Uh, Zoe mm -hmm. was a, I just listened to that. It was good. So it's eight, almost eight years old. Yeah. I just so. remember what I remember from recording that is, and I don't know if you caught it. I think I said something like, I don't know if we need a Han Solo movie. You know, like I think I'd prefer like a movie. And I'm like, now I'm like, oh man, I love Solo. But now that's only no, but I forever mean, I, that I said that. I would that. recommend. <laughs> I honestly would, I think a good show for you to do would be to re-listen to that show and reflect on it. Yeah, maybe. Because it, it was good. Like, I like I wish I could get a hold of Mike and Brian and you all three could just redo that show. <laughs> I mean, cause, no, because you would have to change. It, what, you did not, none of you said anything bad, but it would just be neat to, to talk eight years later about something, about a, a topic, you know? Yeah. So, um. But, and then you can find me on the Inflatable Falcon every Wednesday night around 8.45 ish, depending on when me, John, and Ken get started. And, um, uh, Hinton Star Wars family. Um, and you can also find Zoe on StarWars.com under Our Star Wars Stories. That's coming up on a, that's coming up on a four year anniversary of that. Yeah. So, is it four years? I think so. Yeah, 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 four years. So, but um, yeah, so thank everyone. Go check out all of our stuff, all of our socials, all of our writing, everything. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble about Overwatch for if you listen to both both podcasts over three hours. Yes. Um, and we will get back to Star Wars. <laughs> and you should play the outro again. I mean, your intro, because then that'll be like your outro, and then okay. I don't have to put any, I don't have to do any editing. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. May the force be with you, and goodbye. Goodbye. Star Wars Geek Girls. They're geek girls that like Star Wars. And sometimes cry. Wap, <laughs> wap,